Welcome to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom, the podcast where I interview folks who see the wrong in the world and are driven to make it right. Today's guests are both road-tested tour musicians who found a common purpose in sobriety and youth mentorship. One is a multi-instrumentalist and producer who draws on his childhood experience with learning differently. The other, a world-famous hip-hop icon and legend. My first record was, I'm DMC, in the place to be. I go to St. John's University. And since kindergarten, I acquired the knowledge. At the 12th grade, I went straight to college. When I rocked that rhyme, having the attitude and the presentation that so much of negativity embraces, I was able to touch change, not only just in the neighborhoods and people's minds. With their organization, Road Recovery, they use creative projects to empower at-risk youth who are struggling with addiction. Road Recovery creative staff mentor Static and the devastating mic controller himself, Daryl DMC McDaniels, right now on Righteous Convictions. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome back to Righteous Convictions. This is, as you probably know by now, the show where I have the privilege of interviewing change makers, people who are doing just badass shit in the world for no reason except for the fact that they can. And today we have not one, but two. And I'm freaking excited because we have Daryl McDaniels, also known as the devastating mic controller from Run DMC. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here, Jay. And with Daryl, we have his partner in do-goodingness, the opposite of partner in crime, <laughs> another phenomenal musician and performer, and the stuff that they are doing together, I think is going to inspire a lot of people. It inspires me. So Static, just glad you're here, man. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. And Daryl, I mean, mm -hmm. look, everybody knows who you are, and people have grown up to your music. It's been the soundtrack of so many of our lives. I'll never forget the first time I heard King of Rock. I was in my little office. I just started working at Atlantic Records, <laughs> and I was running around playing that record on 10 for anybody and everybody. I was like, this is the craziest shit I've heard. <laughs> and and I grew up, for me, my favorite band, my favorite <laughs> rock star growing up was Steven <laughs> Tyler. My favorite band was- Really? Yeah. Dream on. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, when I, when I was growing up, um, for me, and people bug out, I was never into soul music. 
because you got to think about it like this. That's when my moms and pops were still young and cool. So that was their music. I didn't have a music when I was growing up because I was too busy reading comic books and drawing anyway. But there was something about the rock and the folk rock that attracted me. You know, groups like Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, The Stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, but also Jim Croce, Harry Chapin, those storytellers people. So I guess that was my attraction to music because, you know, I was in the comic books. I didn't care about love and girls and stuff like that. Most of the R&B music was about love, you know, Al Green and Marvin Gaye. And that was my mother's in the music. But it was just phenomenal to me because I was a good student as a kid growing up. And the rock dudes would always talk about presidents and governments and stuff like that. So, you know, rock and folk rock was like social studies or history in school to me. So that's what gravitated me towards that music. So long story short, when I did start making hip hop songs, I was like, everybody samples and uses James Brown and jazz and funk. But nobody is using the rock records that I heard on the radio and the rock records that were in the early crates of Grandmaster Flash and Africa Bambada and the Grand Wizard Theodore. So Larry Smith, before Rick Rubin, was our producer. And Larry is the greatest hip-hop producer ever that nobody knows about. So that's a movie to be made. But Larry Smith, he knew I loved rock. So he was like, D, what do you want to do? My thing was, I want to make a record that's like Billy Squire's Big Beat. So we made Rockbox. 84 was Rockbox. 85 was King of Rock, and then 86 let us make him walk this way. I don't know if I ever told you this. When I was like six or seven, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson for good reason and Prince and all that. Right. And then a few years later, when you guys came on TV at Walk This Way, I already loved Run DMC. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Mom, Mom, check this out. She's like, that's Aerosmith. I'm like, what's Aerosmith? <laughs> so I learned to be a rock guitarist from you and Run DMC. Wow. It really was worlds colliding when you did that incredible, groundbreaking collaboration. But what I take from that story, too, Daryl, is that mm-hmm. you didn't have a type of music that was your own, so you invented it, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, yes. It, yep, it, exactly. Was, it was really more of a selfish act. You just needed something to listen to. So you're like, exactly. well, nobody else is going to do it. I'll do it myself. Yep. I think that was the beauty of Run DMC because it was Jay, Daryl, and Joe doing a bunch of stuff that related to so many people. Because... Prior to Run DMC, you know, hip-hop was considered the black ghetto music. And, you know, I grew up in Queens, you know what I'm saying? So when I came into hip-hop, you know, previously hip-hop was, you know, hip-hop was the message. Here's what's going on. You know, the reality, the truth of New York City. Because everybody, well, a lot of people don't know this. People thought that New York City was heaven. Why? Because they saw all of the images of what was going on in Studio 54 in Hollywood. Everybody was coming from Hollywood, the CEOs, the entertainers, the movie stars, the athletes, the who's who of the world was coming to New York City to party in Studio 54. And it was Rolls Royces and it was Bentleys and it was diamonds and it was sex and it was drugs and it was cocaine and it was fur coats and it was champagne everywhere. Kind of like what hip hop is today. But on that note, it took some young brothers and sisters out the Bronx to tell the truth of, no, don't get it twisted. What you see in the magazines and in the newspapers and on the news every night about 
how great Studio 54 is. That's not the reality in New York City. So that's when I learned that, yo, these kids in the Bronx was burning and was drugs and heroin and street gangs everywhere. But for me, I knew that even in the darkness and despair and the death and the dirt of the ghetto, there was fun, cool, creative things like crayons and comic books and skateboards and coloring books. So I took it upon myself when I did my hip hop music, you know what I'm saying? I didn't see it as just black ghetto music because in the black ghetto, in the poor ass ghetto, in the poverty and the famine, this kid's coloring and doing poetry and dancing and doing good things. I just hate the fact that, you know, to be in a gang or to have been to jail and to be a drug dealer is considered street. Because even in the streets that I grew up in Queens, you know what I'm saying? We did creative things. Hip hop allowed me to say no. The truth is coming from these places that you don't have to go to jail. You don't have to be in a gang. You don't have to do or sell drugs to be powerful. And that was the whole clashing of all of these cultures, you know, rock and folk rock. Um, Harry Chapman and Jim Croce and Neil Young and John Fogarty, they taught me it's cool to have fun with this music, but we have a responsibility to be the representatives of the communities that we come from. So while a lot of people prefer to rhyme about selling drugs and going to jail like it's a badge of honor, I'm so gangster and powerful, I'll make a record about Christmas time and make it one of the most powerful forces on the face of the earth. My first record was, I'm DMC in the place to be. I go to St. John's University. And since kindergarten, I acquired the knowledge. After 12th grade, I went straight to college. When I rocked that rhyme, the kids in my neighborhood who was like 17 and younger, they came to me and was like, Daryl, how in the hell are you doing hip hop and you cool and got Adidas and gazelles on and, and, and Cadillacs and stuff? And you go to school. That was an opportunity for me to say, not only do I go to school, young brother or sister, I get straight A's and I this and that and I don't curse and I'm obedient and I listen to my parents and teachers. And by me having the attitude and the presentation that so much of negativity embraces, I was able to touch, change, alter the states of what was going on in our neighborhoods, but not only just in the neighborhoods, in people's minds. Daryl, in your memoir, 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide, you mm-hmm. talked about a lot of these things that influenced you growing up, comic books and the different types of music and stuff. But you also talked very openly about your struggles with alcohol, addiction, and depression. And it almost killed you, right? I mean, it almost killed yes. me too, by the way. I ended up in, uh, in rehab myself when I was 26. But can you talk about how that influenced your work that we're going to turn to talking about now, um, where you're helping so many people and leading by example? You know, everybody knows Daryl from the guy that told the world, to walk this way in their Adidas. So they saw, you know, everything from Raising Hell, King of Rock, Rock, everything that we did. They saw that, but they didn't see the side of me that was no different from who they are. And especially that side, even as a young kid, when I got into the music business, it was like, oh, shoot, 
You can tell stories about who you are over music. That was my thing. It was like me writing a comic book. But within all the pressures and struggles that anybody in any given occupation or career or situation gets, I got all this anxiety and all of this stuff. I started to look for stuff outside of me to survive. So to make a long story short, I became an alcoholic, suicidal, metaphysical, spiritual wreck who almost died, almost OD'd, almost drunk myself to death. Then when that wasn't working, I was thinking about jumping off a roof and all of that. But my saving grace came from after people telling me over and over, Daryl, this isn't good behavior. This isn't good for you over and over. And I was functional. You know, I was a functional drunk. You know, I was never late, always showed up on time, completed my task. But what was going on inside of me was the thing that was destroying and killing me. So long story short, the thing that saved me is when I went to rehab to stop drinking. And the reason why that happened was in the midst of being an alcoholic, suicidal, metaphysical, spiritual wreck who was about to jump off the roof, when I was 35 years old, I found out something about myself that was known to everybody in my family and neighborhood in the schools that I went to. I found out that I was adopted at age 35, which totally, totally really made me want to jump. But then somebody brought to my knowledge that, um, yo, you could find your birth mother and you could find your birth father and you could solve that mystery. So that was the thing that made me say, okay, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go through this, I got to get sober. So when I went to rehab to stop drinking, I discovered the most powerful thing in existence that any man, boy, woman, or girl could do for themselves. I discovered this thing called therapy. And therapy was the thing that set me free. And when I got out of rehab and when I got out of therapy, I would run into people and people would approach me on the DMC King of Rock level. Like, yo, you changed my life. Walk this way, my Adidas, all of that. And it was basically like, yo, we always see Run. We always see Russell. We always see Kamora and the kids. We never see you. And they would ask me, and this is what led me to coming into contact with people like Row Recovery. They would say, we never see you. Where you been at? And I'm always an honest guy. Everything I always said on my record was true. And if you come to me, I'm never going to front because hip-hop to me and rock and roll is about keeping it real. So they would ask me, D, where you been? And I would go, well, I just got out of rehab. Or I would go, well, I just got out of therapy. And these people would stop. And I would see a total change on them. And they would go, what do you mean by that? And I would tell them my story. And 100% of the time, two things would happen. The people who I was speaking to, they would look around first. Like the CIA was after them. And they would go, I've never told anybody this deep, but me too. If they didn't say that, 100% of the time they would go, I've never told anybody this deep. But my mother, my daughter, my wife, my girlfriend, my aunt, my grand, everybody was dealing with a mental health issue. And then it all came to me, Jason. The king of rock thing, the discovery that I was adopted to all the things that happened to get me to that point. I realized this whole king of rock thing was just a setup for Daryl McDaniels to be put here to do what he was supposed to do.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Static, you've had a crazy journey as well to get to this point. I know you overcame like severe learning disabilities. My mom actually started what many people consider the best school in the country for kids with severe learning disabilities. My brother was the first student at the Gateway School, and he went on to get a PhD in psychometrics. And, you know, I turned out to be the one who didn't excel at school after all. You didn't Um, have to. You had music. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And uh, and that became my my muse. Tell us about your childhood and how you got involved with road recovery. To backtrack a little bit, you know, I had a lot of struggles in school. I thankfully found guitar um, after <laughs> I saw Walk This Way. But um, I found guitar in middle school and I felt like I could finally do something like, wow, I get this instrument. And I couldn't learn like everybody else. I couldn't read music at all. I just put the records on and learn it, play it back. And then around that early part of high school, I was struggling so bad where, you know, I was pretty much going to fail out. And I, I really love that story about your family in the school because we didn't really have that even in New Jersey too much. Like they had a great education program, but they didn't have how to deal with everybody's differences in learning. You know, the truth is I wanted to be a rock star at that point and play rock and roll, that whole vibe. So I was following and emulating maybe the wrong aspects of rock and roll, drinking and and experimenting with drugs as well. But that got me through, you know, that I was the kid who always compensated. So now let's fast forward. I ended up joining an awesome band in my early 20s called Ours. And I was in the band for almost 16 years. And we actually got to make a record with Rick Rubin as well. So we got that in common (laughs) D. I did develop a bit of an alcohol and substance abuse problem. I got sober around 34 years old. It was a little about nine years in March. And I always knew road recovery and Jack and Gene go way back, even with the band I was in. We always supported their events. And I wasn't, you know, like, like Dee described, I was functional. But I did my thing. I had a reason why I needed to get sober. So it, I mentioned Gene and Jack. So it's Gene Bowen and Jack Bookbinder are the co-founders of Road Recovery. They both had full careers in the music industry, and they created this amazing organization. We do these programs where we go to either clubhouses or group homes, and we do this art, music. But really what's going on, we're trying to teach communication and life skills through our own experiences. And it's not about addiction only. 
and he reminded me of that. He goes, it's about showing up, being vulnerable and meeting them where they're at. So I show up, I'm like, I guess I'm still in my thirties at that point. I'm like a little over a year sober. And I realized when I walked into that room in this group home that even though my, you know, getting through sobriety and working that was almost secondary to the fact that when I related to these kids, I brought me right back to high school mm. when I dealt with these learning disabilities. And that's how I was able to relate. So it got under my skin. And now we're talking years later. I mean, I guess I've been with Road Recovery since 2013. In 2014 or 13, D and I met. But in 14, we collaborated on a local uh, group home organization in New Jersey. We did a benefit to help kids in therapeutic foster care. So we already had that yeah. bond. When when Static was like, yo, I'm working with these people called Road Recovery. I was like, what do they do? He was like, yo, we keep kids out the streets. We educate them. We give them an opportunity to be creative. And anybody struggling with any substance abuse or drugs and mental things, I, I'm in. Because that was me. I see myself in all those kids. So Road Recovery is just another form of rock and roll but just another form of hip hop without having to specifically only use music. We use music as the bait, but we get them in there and we recreate these souls and spirits. Basically, Road Recovery is it's entertainment industry professionals. It's a nonprofit and everybody is considered like we kind of become mentors and Road Recovery creates a way for young people to communicate and build up their life skills but we use music like d says like it's like a bait but we use music or dance or poetry or painting or any form of art or expression but the idea is the way we line out the programs with the creative staff mentors we always have like a check-in meeting so we want to create the dialogue and it's like a business meeting after that of like life skills so we say well you're working on that project that is great but to do that can you at least commit to next week that we have this much done so even though these kids are brilliant and we love the quality of the work they do it's not necessarily about how good the final product is it's about being engaged in that journey so it sets everybody up with life skills and even me as a creative staff member after doing a cycle I have better life skills just from communicating to the yes. young people and getting oh, like we, sure. we're all learning from each other. But yeah. that's that's essentially what you know road recovery does. And the project we were doing in the Bronx, that's when I contacted yes. you, like, hey Gene wants to meet up. And Daryl comes down to, I guess it's Clay Street. We worked in an organization at the time. Road Recovery was partnered with Bronx Connect, it's called RTG. We're doing the show. Daryl just shows up and he's talking to all the young people. They know who you are. They know right. and you're saying when I it was snowing out, he goes, When I it's walk snowing. outside the snow that falls on me is the same snow that falls on you. And that vulnerability, which is everything we try to do with the creative staff at Road Recovery, Daryl is embodied in seconds, enough for a bunch of the young people to walk up to him and say, hey, hey, DMC, we have a song. Do you think you could be on it? Because <laughs> he was that open and vulnerable. And he says yes. They basically wrote the lyrics, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. They changed it. And they talk about stopping the violence on the streets. The phenomenal song they came up with and allowed me to participate on is called Twinkle Twinkle RTG Release the Grip. Don't let this world tell you who you are. You are right here from the start. I don't drink anymore. I am done with booze. Being sober every day is wonderful. Before I get paid, I gotta pay my dues. I came to the battle, didn't come to lose. You can't have a world that's run by fools. So hands 
in the air, yeah, run with jewels. I'm here to fix it, so I come with two. I got a message for the kids when I come to school. Don't rock with us, you don't rock at all. I walked on ice and I did not fall. Don't call me a baller, cause I don't ball. Call me better, cause I'm better than y'all. I'm something like a foreign in his overalls. So it's each from the guy standing over y'all. If you need a superhero, you know who to call. I'm not saving one, I'm saving all of y'all. I'm on the road to recovery. Just like cool, you will discover me. You gotta be shining like the diamonds do. To release a superhero inside of you. I'm on the road to recovery. Just like gold, you will discover me. You gotta be shining like the diamonds do. To release a superhero inside of you. Don't let this world tell you. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Now, listen, on this show, we have a couple of traditions. The first one is something we call the magic wand question. And that means I'm going to ask you first, Daryl, if you had a magic wand and could wave it and could fix one thing, what would it be? Oh, man. I would fix poverty. I would make sure kind of um, Harry Chapin's mission. And I, I work with world hunger and all of those people Shout out to them out there in Long Island. I would make sure that the last thing people would be worrying about is where they could get a meal. Because once they're nourished, they can use their vitality of the physical because the mental will be empowered. And then we could fix everything that's needed to fix with our hands and our minds. I would fix poverty. How about you, Static? Ah, oh, wow. So, Magic wand. crazy question. I would basically, if there's a way to have people, whenever they encounter anybody, have complete sense of empathy and openness and only view that person with no other prior knowledge, like lose all sense of prejudice. I go even beyond like bigotry. Mm-hmm. Like just you encounter a person with an open heart and empathy and you just wait and pause enough for two people to figure out who you are. And if you're carrying empathy in your heart, even if you're in need, I would hope you wouldn't – because people sometimes do bad things at disparity. A yes. lot of our, our, our horrors yeah. come out of desperate situations mm-hmm. and misunderstanding. So if you could just encounter everybody with a sense of empathy and that open heart understanding just to grow, I think a lot of things would come out of that as a ripple effect. Those are great answers. So for people who want to get involved with the great work that you guys are doing, how do they do that? Is there a website? Is there an Instagram or – any other way they can get involved. Roadrecovery.org is the website. At road underscore recovery is our Instagram. And the Instagram is, is awesome because it's growing more and more due to lockdown era because we've gotten so much amazing footage of yes. young people creating stuff. So just expect that to be a great place to see 
what we actually do. Yeah, for anybody out there wondering, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Road Recovery. And we're going to make it super easy for you. There will be a link in our bio to all the information you need to join the movement. Get involved, volunteer, teach, sing, write, do whatever it is you can do to help these kids and to help Daryl and Static in their mission. And please tune in next week when we speak with the Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Pennsylvania, who I hope we will all soon be calling U.S. Senator John Fetterman. And now the closing of our show is something we call Words of Wisdom, and it's super simple. This is where I, first of all, thank you both for being here and just for doing all the incredible stuff that you're doing. And so Words of Wisdom works like this. I just turn my microphone off, kick back in my chair, close my eyes, leave my headphones on, and let you share anything else at all that you think we didn't cover and that maybe we should have. So Static, why don't you go first and we'll let Daryl that clean up. So right before I do that, I just want to thank you and remind that um, you came to actually do something with us at Road Recovery in the Bronx. And that was a great day for those kids or young people. And I really appreciate that the whole organization does. Um, For me, I want to kind of sum up some of the things that I heard from Daryl. And I think normalizing mental health, asking for help is so important. And um, in this, it's just that feeling like if you could just... It's tough when we're in it. We don't we isolate, but if we could just get out of it and reach out to others, there's so much that could come out of that. And when we bring in this we factor, you know, like a lot of recovery programs that are we programs and road recovery uses power of we as um for good reason. Because when you're not alone, you don't you just feel like you can face anything. And I, I've benefited off that feeling even again with this world of, you know, navigating ADHD as an adult. Found a support groups. First thing I did, and I l- literally listened to, you know, ten or twelve different people sound just like me, mm-hmm. and I, I really think that's that comes from thoughtful communication. That comes from being open and vulnerable. But the more people could just, I guess, be open to the idea of like finding that first tribe to let you rejoin the rest of the tribe. So whatever's eating at you, whatever's bothering you, like just go for the help because whoever you are. I don't know all of you, but I want everyone to be on this planet as long as they're supposed to be here. And just don't be afraid to ask for help. That's pretty much it. Let's normalize mental health. That's awesome. Daryl? Yes. Thank you, Jason, because you got to understand how important you are in all this because you're giving us a chance to have dialogue. You're giving us a chance to be heard. What I want to say is this. Here's some words of wisdom. Every problem that we face in this world today can be solved in the blink of an eye if we all sit down, come together, and work together to solving the problem. And one of the first ways to have victory in all communities across all racial boundaries, race, creeds, colors, and nations is the OGs and the young G's doing what we do at Road Recovery, getting together and sharing the dialogue. To the young people out there, old people are not old. They are walking experience. That means they didn't die, they didn't OD, and they're not in jail. They didn't get destroyed in the wars and the struggles 
of this human experience. And the OGs, listen to the young people because they have the new ideas in order to solve the problem. Government has to change, politics has to change, and religion has to change. You learn from the elders, but you also learn how to execute from the young people. If we combine those two things, we can eradicate all of the problems that we have across the board. Words of wisdom, we got to come together and work together every day. You just can't give out turkeys on Thanksgiving and you just can't give out gifts on Christmas and expect things to get better. Thank you for listening to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom. I'd like to thank our production team, Connor Hall, Jeff Clyburn, and Kevin Wardis. The music in this production was supplied by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Follow us on Instagram at Wrongful Conviction, on Twitter at Wrong Conviction, and on Facebook at Wrongful Conviction Podcast. Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom is a production of Lava for Good Podcast in association with Signal Company Number 1. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.